All right, if you're here tonight and you're ready for a good word, I want you to look at your neighbor and just touch him on the shoulder and say, what have you been eating? Tonight we're in the third part of our series entitled Home Improvement. And I don't know any home that doesn't need a little improvement. Tonight we are going to look at the specific area of the home that we in the United States refer to as the kitchen. Now, two weeks ago we looked at the closet, and how many know, thank God, no matter what we've done, the power of Jesus Christ's blood can clear out our closet. Amen Amen to that. Well, last week we looked at the basement, and tonight we're going to look at the kitchen. And, And what I feel like the Holy Spirit of God wants us to hear is that, now when it comes to eating, finish this phrase, you are what you And that's not just true in the physical body or in this physical realm, but it's the truth in the spiritual realm. It's the truth with our spiritual bodies, with our spiritual man. And so many times, we as people who call ourselves Christians, we partake of things that God does not want us to partake of. We invite things into our life that God does not want us to invite in. We allow things into us and we consume them and then what happens is we become them if you have your bibles would you turn with me to first corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 as you're turning there uh one of my police friends i was talking to him uh as you know i'm a chaplain of the police department and one of my police friends i was not with him when this happened but he pulled this elderly woman over for a, a speeding citation And as he got out of the car, he went up to this older woman and he said, ma'am, I clocked you doing 75 and a 55. I need to see your driver's license. And this elderly woman says, well, sir, I apologize. I had my license four years ago. I got a DWI and got it taken away and never got a new one. He goes, okay, I need to see your registration and insurance card. And she said, well, young man, I apologize, I don't have that either. I stole this car. (laughs) I can't wait to get old. You can just just say whatever you want. (laughs) Well, he goes, he was kind of, he couldn't believe this. He goes, well, is there anything else you want to tell me? And he goes, well, I got to be honest, I killed somebody and their dead bodies in the back of my trunk. And all of a sudden, my police officer buddy couldn't believe that. And you know, I don't care how old somebody is, they start killing people, you get nervous. He put his hand on his gun and said, ma'am, don't move, I'll be back in just a moment. Well, he went back and he called our chief of police. This is a big thing here. You don't want this to get out, you know. And so all of a sudden the chief of police shows up and, and two or three other squad cars. and They've got her car surrounded. And the, every, every officer, you know they mean business once they put their hand on their service weapon. So the chief of police walks up and he says, I want all you guys just stay with your cars because he's a little bit more her age. And he thought, you know, age relates to age. So went up that squad car. He goes, ma'am, that officer back there told me, you didn't have a license, is that true? And she goes, no, officer, here it is. And this man, go, the chief of police goes, well, ma'am, that officer told me you didn't have license and registration because you stole that car. Is this true? And she goes, no, sir. Here's the le- registration papers, and here's the insurance card. And he goes, well, ma'am, that, uh, that officer back there told me that you've got a dead body in that trunk. She popped the trunk and said, go take a look for yourself. The officer came back, and then she goes, I bet that liar told you I was speeding, too. (laughs) You know, one of the worst things that we can do as believers 
is believe lies. But so many times I've seen Christian after Christian believe what the devil says about them. Don't shut me down, I'm preaching good. I'm not even warmed up yet. I've seen Christians where the devil says, you're not worth anything, you're not worth anything, you're not worth anything, and they start believing it. And then they start living a life like they're not worth anything. I've seen Christians where the devil says, you're not special, you're not special, there's nothing special about you. And where that son or daughter of God begins to believe the devil's lie. And so they start living a life like they're not special. I've seen the devil attack some believers, precious children of God, and say, you're not attractive, you're ugly, you're blah, 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 blah. And now all of a sudden they start living and acting like they're not attractive or they're ugly. And friends, in every area of our life, the devil would try to lie to us and get us to consume those lies. But what does the word of God say? In John chapter 14, Verse six, I am, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This word is life. Life to our bones, life to our marriages, life to our inner spirit. But as our video said, we've got to eat the word. So if you have your Bible, turn me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. It's where we started every one of our sermons, every one of our messages in this series entitled Home Improvement. And I want you to hear what God calls us. At some times in the Bible, God calls us sons. How many are thankful for that? At some times, he calls us daughters. He calls us children. He calls us beloved. He calls us friend. But there's one other name God gives us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, and here's what it is. It says, don't you know that you yourselves are, just like I said at times where God's sons, daughters, children, heirs, but this is a different name that God calls us. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Look at verse 17. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. Now, I want you to look at that note, sacred. Do you know what God calls you? He calls you sacred. Look at verse 18. Do not deceive yourself. See, now we're getting to the devil's lies here. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standard of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. Verse 19. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. Friends, today, God wants you to know that you are his temple. Tonight, we're going to look at the kitchen. <laughs> That's the area we're going to look at tonight where we can start the third installment of our home improvement project. As we go to prayer, we want to pray for our youth ministry. In just a few short uh, weeks, we're going to be having our brand new youth pastor, Pastor Jeremy and Kristen, here with us. We want to pay for... Pray for the Kurt Rosine family. If you did not know the Rosines, they used to be kids pastors at First Assembly in Independence. And uh, sadly, uh, Pastor Rosine's wife died of cancer. And so we want to just uh, lift these needs up. Lord, thank you in Jesus' name that, Lord, you promise us eternal life. And we pray 
that you'd give the Rosine family your peace and rest. We thank you that um, Mrs. Rosine is in heaven with you today. Give that family your peace. Give those children your love in a special way. We ask you, Lord, for our youth ministry. God bless that service tonight. And in the name of Jesus, bless Pastor Jeremy and Kristen as they begin to transition and come to Crown Point. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that every person that sat on my voice would stop believing the devil's lies. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, look around, touch somebody who doesn't want to be touched and say, stop believing the devil's lies. Just do it right now. Okay, we're going to look at three main points here tonight. First of all, we're going to look at what's in our kitchens. There's three things that are in our kitchens. The first thing is junk food. Oh, man, we've all got junk food in our kitchens. No doubt about it. Junk food. The second thing that we all have in our kitchens, expired food. Have you ever done that? (laughs) I've done that before where I'm really hungry for something, and I get into the fridge or I get into the cupboard, and, and, and my wife, I'm telling you something right now. When it comes to expired food, she is legalistic. <laughs> I mean, if, it's, if it expires October 10th and it's October 11th, she will not allow it in the kitchen. We've even had arguments over it. <laughs> okay, so you've got junk food, expired food, and we've all had this happen, or I've had it happen, moldy food. You keep bread around too long or, or you get some type of... Uh, doggy bag and you forget that it's in there and and here's the thing not only do we have that in our physical kitchens but each one of us as christians we let junk food into our minds and into our hearts and we wonder why things aren't going right in our lives i'm preaching better than your amen but that's okay each one of us we have devoured things but it's expired Each one of us, sometimes we've allowed our spiritual love for God, uh, the the life-giving force in our hearts and minds, we've allowed it to get kind of moldy and crusty. And here's the second main point tonight. So first of all, we look at what's in our kitchens, but then secondly, the wrong way to respond to what is in our kitchens. First way, (laughs) to continue buying junk food. Has anybody ever went to Hardee's and got that thick burger? Holy moly. On Weight Watchers, one burger has a full day's points in just one burger. That's it. Boom. Gone. Oh, my goodness. Okay, when we continue to buy junk food, I want you to get this. You can't expect the body to perform at its peak level when you consume junk food. And here's what happens in our spiritual lives. When we devour junk food into our spiritual man... We can't expect us to have peak blessedness, peak peace, to be peaked in joy. Okay, so let me give you another way that's wrong to respond. God wants us to stop looking to our past blessings to nourish us. You you know, Kelly and I, we've been pastors for 13 or 14 years, but you know, I thank God for what he's done in our past, but I don't live there. When we were youth pastors and we had hundreds of kids and we were seeing kids saved all the time, I thank God for that. But I don't live there because that was 2010 or 2002, 2001, 2003, 1998. But today is 2010. And some of you here tonight have experienced great things from God, but it was five or ten years ago. 
Get up. God wants you to experience something great right now. God wants you to experience his blessing and power and miracle, supernatural authority in your life today. That's good preaching, Barry. Good preaching. Man, I'm telling you. Number two, you've, God wants us, or pardon me, you, you, you've got to, the wrong way to do is to keep eating expired food. And number three, the wrong way to respond in our kitchens, here's the bad thing about when food gets moldy, it contaminates the other food around it. So let's say, for example, man, you're on fire for God, but you're allowing yourself to watch TV shows that contaminate your spirit. Guess what? If everything's going great and you're allowing your eyes to see junk, pretty soon that's going to get to your heart and contaminate everything. If you're really walking close to God and you're getting into his word and you're just having great times of prayer every day, but you keep hanging out with people, that are just negative and gossip all the time. And they're just negative and gossip all the time. And they're just negative and they gossip all the time. And they're just negative and they just gossip all the time. Some of you would have to change seats, but I won't let you do that right now. You keep hanging out with those folks, guess what? You're gonna start being negative. You're gonna start gossiping. You're gonna start whining. You're gonna stop, start complaining. And see, these are things that God doesn't want us to do. So let me give you the third point here tonight. The purpose of the kitchen, it's a place, it's at the top of your notes, to be fed, to be revived, and to be refreshed, which brings us to point number three, the way God wants us to handle what goes on in our kitchen. So here we go. Here is where we actually start the home improvement. Here's where we start pouring concrete, driving nails, getting into the plumbing. Point number three. The way God wants us to handle what goes on in our kitchen. First of all, God wants us to stop feeding on the foods that will make us spiritually obese. Okay, many people in America, they die not because they get a disease, not because they get into an accident, they allow themselves to get obese. Many, many Christians are living difficult lives. They're not influencing people. They're not enjoying life to the fullest. And it's because they've allowed themselves to get spiritually obese. And every one of us has been there at one time or another. And we've got to stop feeding on the foods that make us spiritually obese. I, I'm telling you something. When I, the day after I turned 70, Bill, I'm going to preach a sermon called the eye chair. Maybe you've heard me say this. And I'm going to have a chair right up there. And I'm going to say, this is how many Christians are. I want the worship like this, my way. I want Pastor Barry to preach my sermon. I want the church to look how I want it to look. It's all about them. I'm going to get in your seat tonight. Don't worry about it. 
And God says, get out of the eye chair right now in Jesus' name. Get out of the eye chair. You know how we get spiritually obese? We come to church and we start focusing on us. Well, I didn't get fed this morning. If you didn't get fed that morning, don't blame Pastor Newby. Blame yourself for having a bad attitude. Well, I went to that life group. I didn't, my heart wasn't touched. Well, get your butt out of bed and get your heart right with God and maybe it will get touched. Dave's getting convicted. Praise God. It's about time. God wants us to stop eating spiritually where it gets us obese. Let me give you one last thought here. Do you know what we try to do at Crown Point? You know why we have these missions trips all the time? Is we want to get these sweet little Christians out of your comfort circle. You know why we do things like divorce care and, and grief care and why they got life groups all over the city? We want to get people out of their little comfort zones and so they can experience the power of God. John the apostle did not experience the supernatural power of God by staying in the boat. He got out. And the 11 spiritually obese disciples stayed in. If you want to experience life to its fullest, you've got to get out of the boat. Can I quote uh, Amelia Earhart? Here's what she said. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. She said this. She said, I refuse to be in the prison of safety. Woo. I don't know if she's a believer, but boy, that will preach. I refuse to be imprisoned by the jail cell of safety. So many times as Christians, we want to play it safe. And God says, let's get out of the boat. So we've got to stop eating things that make us spiritually obese. And anything that makes us obese is when we just focus on us. You know what I love about Crown Point Church? Is the vast majority of people that come here, they're focused on how they can help other people. Let's look at the one right below that. So the way God wants us to handle it, what goes on in our kitchen, right below that, God wants us to stop looking to our past blessings to nourish us. And number three, God wants us to have fresh experiences with him. I love my wife. She's a woman of God. But things go a lot better in our marriage when every day I have a fresh experience with God. This morning, I got out of bed and went to the coffee pot, put a little French vanilla cappuccino mix in there, whatever that stuff was. But then I spent time with God in his word and prayer. And this morning before you got here, I came to this sanctuary and I was in this sermon in prayer this morning. I had an experience with God. And so if I come home and my beautiful wife has a bad day and starts taking it out on me, well, that won't affect me because guess what? I had an experience with God. And if I have a bad day and I start taking it out on her, guess what? She had an experience with God that day. And friends, I want you to know something. God loves you, and he wants you to experience him daily. So let me give you seven ways to live this out as we close. 
How do I live this out? Because we talked about tonight, we talked about home improvement. And we talked about the kitchen area. And we, we talked about these three things that God w- wants us to do. Well, how do we do that? How do we practically walk out of these three exits and, and do it? Here they are. First of all, start feeding your soul with God's word and quality time with him. Start feeding your soul. You, you know what many people try to do? Is they try to feed their soul with money. But money won't fulfill your soul. They start trying to feed their souls with big houses or, or fancy titles. And none of those things are wrong. But if you try to feed your soul that way, I have seen people very, very affluent. But they captured the secret truth that only God can feed the soul. How many movie stars do we need to see commit suicide or be married six times or become drug addicts? Before we realize those things won't feed the soul. They don't feed the soul. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this scripture, Psalm 119.9. And here's what it says. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Here's another scripture. I want you, it's Ephesians 2.14. And I love this one. It says, he himself is our peace. All hell is breaking loose all over this world. I mean, we've got the Middle East where it looks like at any time a war, massive war can break out there. We've got Iran that's about to acquire, if it doesn't already have nuclear weapons. We've got, the, this nation has never been more divided But for those of us that meet alone with God, Ephesians 2, 14 is the truth. He himself is our peace. And for those of you that prayed this morning or this afternoon or tonight, and you got alone with God, you encountered, what is his title? Prince of Peace. Got to feed your soul. Number two, how do we live this out? How do we practically step out of here? Well, number two, stop feeding your flesh. Now, we could just preach a whole sermon there. Stop feeding your flesh with only focusing on meeting your needs and then expecting God to make things easy in your life. Okay, do you, do you know what some Christians mistake as the will of God? Some Christians, this is what they believe. If everything goes smooth on this journey I'm taking, I must be in God's will. And then if things get rough, it's got to be the devil attacking me, and this is this God saying no. Where, what Bible are they reading? Did they get a hold of the Book of Mormon or somehow, I mean, L. Ron Hubbard or somebody? Hey, listen. Moses was following God's will, and God said, now you got to walk through the Red Sea. Daniel was following God's will, and God said, now you got an appointment in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and again, Abednego were doing exactly what God wanted them to do. And, they, and God said, now you've got a divine appointment in the furnace. So if God let them go through struggles, why won't he let us go through them? Listen to me. If things aren't easy, you might be exactly in God's will. And if things just seem to be easy, <laughs> you might be off the track. Now, I want you to know something. His ways are higher than ours. There's been times in my life where I was right in the middle of God's will and things just went effortlessly. 
That was easy for me to say. <laughs> and so there, there's been times in my life where just things went easy, and I was in God's will. And there were times where it just took everything I could do to take another step forward and to roll out of bed, but I was in God's will. But ultimately, it comes down to this, Joshua 1.5. I will never leave you nor forsake you, declares the Lord. And ultimately, I've got to say one more thing on this point. Our lives get more fulfilled when we stop trying to focus on meeting our needs and meeting other people's needs. Let me give you one piece of premarital counseling, or for the majority of you, postmarital counseling. If you focus on meeting your spouse's needs first, you're going to have a blessed marriage. If you focus on meeting your spouse's needs first and your needs second, you will be amazed at what that will do in every area of your life. Number three, how do we live this out? How do we practically walk this out? Well, number three, I hate these points. Number three, learn from the friction points God allows us to have. Okay, how many of you have failed the test with God before? Okay, let me tell you how much God loves us. If you fail the test, he will allow you to retake it. But here's the bad news. If you fail it again, guess what? You get to retake it one more time. And if you fail it again, you get to retake it one more time. So here's what God wants. Is that we learn from the friction points of life. Listen, Jesus had friction points. We're talking about the Son of God, the man who fed 5,000, who spoke and the dead were raised. He had friction points. The Bible says in either Matthew chapter 3 or Matthew chapter 4, I can't remember. But when he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights, and the devil himself accused Jesus Christ. But what we got to do is we got to learn from those friction points. How many know I don't want to retake some of the tests I've learned with God? <laughs> Woo! Number four, as Pastor Ferdy and the worship team come to play very softly, not even eight o'clock. Number four, sit down at the table of life with other believers. Okay, there's nothing worse as a Christian, as a man or woman of God, then when you start going through one of those friction points all alone. Have you ever been there? <laughs> this church is filled with people that love you. We have around 25 life groups all over the city. If you're not in a life group, you need to get in one. Not because I say so, because God says so. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Let me just say that one more time for those of you not in a life group. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. If you're not in a life group, listen to me, you're not going to get sharpened out there with a 30-second conversation after church Sunday morning. If all hell is breaking loose in your life, you just can't sit out there in the foyer and say, you know what, Bill, I'm glad you're here. Uh, my wife cheated on me. You know, that, 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 those conversations don't take place. They take place in the context of close relationships. You just don't say, hey, Carol, how are you doing? I just got into an area of sin in my life and nobody, you don't have those out there. You have those type of conversations. Man, Dan, I'm really stressed. I'm about to give up on life. You don't have those st- conversations in that foyer. Those deep conversations take place outside of the church. 
And you know what God wants you to do? He wants you to sit down at the table of life with other believers. Can I tell you what I love about Pastor Ferdy? I'm telling you throughout the day, I'll come into his office, he'll come into my office, and he'll get me so excited. I'll have to leave Pastor Ferdy because I want to start preaching or laying hands on the sick. I mean, he just gets me all amped up. Well, what happens there? We got two of us that love the Lord, and it just sharpens us. And some of you, I want you to write this down, you need to give some people in your life the gift of goodbye. There are some of you that there are people in your life, and all they do is drag you down. And sometimes the greatest gift we can give somebody is a gift of goodbye. <laughs> Number five. How do we live this out? Make your attitude on life an overcoming attitude. Make your attitude on life an overcoming attitude. Now, can I just be really honest as we close here and really candid with you? Kelly and I have been here for almost, we're going on seven years. I can't tell you how many people I've laid hands on in this front area of the church. <laughs> I mean, these hands have been, laid, been prayed and laid on people a lot. I have had some people with tears rolling down their cheeks, and they just come and say, Barry, I don't know how we're going to make it. Barry, everything's against us. I just don't know how we're going to make it. We're overwhelmed. And I lay my hand on them, and I believe God has supernaturally changed their life. But I'm telling you, I've had people that come up with tears rolling down their cheeks. And they say, Barry, all hell is against us. But we know with Jesus, we're going to overcome it. And here they are, two people, same needs, but different attitudes. Same tears, same pain. But one has the attitude of an overcomer. And another one has, has already got an attitude of being overcome. Here's what the Bible says at Romans 8, 37. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors. That's what the word says. But you've got to have that attitude. We said this a, a week or two ago. You've got to start looking at problems as opportunities. Number six, you've got to make your attitude on life a grateful attitude. A grateful attitude. H- have you ever met someone they're just thankful? I can think of the numerous, numerous, numerous mission trips I've taken out of the country. And, and when I go out of the country and we'll go to these third world areas and, and people are so thankful that they get a Bible and that many of us have tons of Bibles that we don't read. Uh, they're so thankful when we give them food and many of us, just like we talk about in the kitchens, we just let the food spoil, we waste our money, we, 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 we just are bad stewards at times. Be grateful. You, you know... One of the things about worship is, man, when you come in here, Pastor Ferdy should have to say, we need you guys to be quiet so we can get to the sermon because we're just so thankful for every one of us that's here. When we are in a church just like this one, but when we're in a coffin and we're dead, and our soul is right before the throne of God, And God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Uh, And we walk into eternal life uh, where there's no pain, no sighing, dying, or crying. And all of a sudden, we walk into that. But we see what we missed out. It's a gratitude. No matter where you're at tonight, if you're alive, Jesus died for you and you should be grateful. Lastly, number seven. Make your attitude on life a warrior's attitude. Do you know that's what God calls us to be? 
is warriors. And God's desire for you and for me. So we got that warrior attitude. There are some Christians, they're just running from the devil. The devil starts attacking their business, they run from him. The devil starts attacking their family, they run from him. And then there's some Christians that they're just like David. They're running to the battle. And the devil's running from them. As we close, I'm going to leave you this one thought. (laughs) In this life, the devil's going to chase you or you're going to chase the devil. I made a mom, I'm going to chase the devil. (laughs) As long as God lets me breathe and lets me be alive, I'm chasing the devil. I'm telling you, this little bald head can get pretty red when he's chasing around. So tonight as we close here, we got to let God do home improvement in the kitchen. Where we're fed, where we're refreshed, where we're revived. Would you bow your hearts with me in prayer tonight? Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much.